Wednesday, um, we met for our Ash Wednesday service and we stepped into the season of Lent. And the first Sunday of Lent always begins with the same story. uh, Jesus in the wilderness going through those 40 days of temptation. So I invite you to hear now Luke 4, verses 1 through 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command His angels concerning you to protect you. And on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. In this passage, Jesus at his weakest is tempted and taunted. We kind of get these three images in the story. Um, Bread, kingdoms of the world, and the temple. In the first, you can almost hear the devil taunting, taunting him. You hungry? Here's a stone. Make it bread. Use the gifts you have been given. Use them for yourself. Satisfy yourself. Get what you need and want. Forget about those people. You can do it since you are the Son of God. The second, look at this place. Look at all those kings, all those rulers. You can do better than that. You can have it. I can make it happen. Don't you want to be great? Don't you want to sit on those thrones to be the one in charge? You can. Forget about those people. Forget what that so-called God has told you. Choose me, and you can have it all. Or the third. Here we are, the top of the temple. You want everyone to see how powerful you are so they will follow you, believe you are the one, worship you? Then jump down. Let the angels come rescue you. Make a show. It will be easy. Then they'll know. You can do it since you are the Son of God. 
Jesus full of the Holy Spirit on a spiritual high following his baptism was led into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted and taunted by the devil. At his lowest moment, Jesus is tempted. Jesus has to choose. Do I lean into God, the source of my strength and comfort? Do I choose God and God's people, or do I choose another way? A way that looks really good right about now. When tempted, Jesus chooses people. Jesus chooses us. Jesus chooses people over satisfying his own needs and desires. Jesus chooses people over power and prestige. Jesus chooses people over what sounds like a much easier way. Jesus chooses us. Our brokenness, our mess, our beauty, our pain. Now we understand choices. We have to make them every day. Some are so routine that we don't even consider them choices anymore, like choosing to drive on the right side of the road, stopping at a red light or a stop sign, taking our kids to school, getting up and ready for work in the morning, brushing our teeth. Some of them, though, are much harder and at times don't offer us a clear way forward from choices about job opportunities, medical care after painful diagnosis, finances, and currently how and when and in what way to intervene during times of war. And I think it's safe to say we have all too much been reminded over the past few years that some choices, well, we choose to fight over and we allow them to divide us like whether or not to wear a mask or get a vaccine or allow our public schools to teach our children the truth and beauty and pain found in our past. <clears throat> Choices are a part of life. They're never going to go away because choice is part of the gift we are given when God in God's wisdom gave us free will. But thanks be to God, God also in God's wisdom does not leave us alone to shuffle through the choices. God also gave us Jesus Christ. And when tempted at his weakest moment, Jesus chooses people. Jesus chooses us. You and me, the flesh and bones, standing, breathing, walking the earth with him. Jesus showed us what it means to practice embodied faith. Now, members of our church family, you should have received a letter in the mail this past week talking about our Lent series, Embodied Faith, as well as discussing some Lenten challenges we have to offer you this season, some dates to mark for this season and the upcoming Easter season. Um, if you didn't and you would like to receive that, just let us know. If you're participating online or you're visitors with us and you would like to receive that, just let us know. In the letter, 
a name that we practice embodied faith because as Christians, we believe in an incarnational theology. Incarnation is that word we use to talk about Jesus as Emmanuel, God with us, God birthed among us, the word becoming flesh. Incarnation comes from the Latin word for in the flesh. And in the person of Jesus Christ, our God became flesh and walked among us. God with us in order to be God for us. Now hang in with me for a moment. I'm going to get a little in the weeds of our theology um, for, for just a bit. Um, Bishop Will Willimon has this book called Incarnation, um, the surprising overlap between heaven and earth. Well, he tries to unpack the incarnation for us just a bit. He says, the Christian faith teaches that we do not get over our estrangement from God by acquiring spiritual knowledge or philosophical insight. Only God, through an act of God, can solve the problem between us and God. In the incarnation, God remained what God was and took up what God was not. God became human. Without diminishment of God's divinity, God's divinity thoroughly embraced our humanity. So our reconciliation to God is affected um, not by something we do, but by something that God has done and continues to do in Jesus Christ. So what we mean is that we believe that in the incarnation, Jesus was not this disembodied spirit just kind of fluttering above human life. No, Jesus cared about real people who were caught in real earthly human binds. And Jesus didn't enter into this world to somehow provide an escape route out of the world. Jesus intruded into the full human condition, modeling for us a new way of living in this world. Jesus was confronted by choices and showed us a way to live into the messiness of choice. And Jesus not only brought a message that was addressed to real people with real problems, Jesus fully embodied that message with his life in this real world. Jesus practiced embodied faith by choosing people. Jesus chooses us, God with us, in order to be God for us. There was a line in Willimon's book that says, you know, the incarnation, we don't prove it with complex thinking, but rather in faithful living as we attempt to embody in our earthly human lives the divine mystery of a God who refused to be God without us. In other words, um, we can sit and we can have all the great theological discussions we want trying to delve into the de and define the mystery of the incarnation. We can read all the books, all the blogs, all the tweets. We may even write some of our own. But proving the incarnation in this way isn't what our work is ultimately about. It's great to have those discussions, 
but ultimately we are simply to practice embodied faith to be the hands and feet of christ to faithfully live in this world the way we see jesus choosing to live caring about real people caught in real earthly vines we do this not to earn points with god not to be picked as Jesus's number one disciple, but because what we see in the incarnation is God with us in order to be God for us. Jesus chooses us in our brokenness, our mess, our beauty, and our pain. You know, there's a pretty powerful line um, the last verse in the passage we read today, we get to the end of the temptation story and it says, when the devil had finished every test, he departed until an opportune time. Until an opportune time. The choice continues. For Jesus, for us, I mean, we kind of feel this later on in the story when Jesus is in the garden praying moments before his arrest, his trial, his crucifixion begins pouring out his fear and pain saying, I don't want to do this, but not my will, yours be done. In that moment, Jesus chooses people. Jesus chooses us. Jesus continues to fully embody the message of loving God and neighbor with his life in this real world. When tempted, Jesus chooses us. Now, I'm going to be very honest. This is kind of where my sermon was summing up um, earlier in the week. And then we had some news that uh, was released around what will, may, may not, as yet to be seen, affect the global United Methodist Church. And I kind of prayed over what's the best way to address this, and I finally landed on this because it fits in to me with this whole message of Jesus choosing people, Jesus choosing us. Um, so some of you may have seen the news about the global Methodist Church launching on May 1st. Some of you may have not because, quite frankly, there's a lot going on in the world. And what's happening in the Methodist Church may not be your top priority. <laughs> but if you did see it, um, this is all I will say. In the messiness um, that will be um, within the larger United Methodist Church, um, I choose you, I choose people, in all our brokenness, in all our mess, in all our pain, in all our beauty, as current factions have been and will continue to, ha to happen within the larger United Methodist Church as they work out their own theology around LGBTQ persons, more specifically around authority and structure. My plan right now is to stay United Methodist. Um, I believe in the work of the United Methodist Church. Um, I believe in this church that has shaped me, formed me, called me. My hope 
is that we do move forward as a body who sees and hears the beauty and brokenness of all of God's children, and that we choose people. But a lot has yet to be seen. So just know, my friends, I choose you. I choose people, first and foremost, before any institution. And we pray, and we wait, and we trust to see how God will move in the midst of it all. I will say this, we haven't been able to stop the movement of the Spirit yet, shockingly, because the church has done some pretty unforgivable things in the past. Um, So I'm pretty sure 2022 will not be the breaking point for the church. God's work continues. God's kingdom reigns. And we get to be a part of it, because in our gospel story, when tempted, Jesus chooses us. Thanks be to God. Amen. I do give thanks that today we get to come to the table um, and experience the grace given to us. Um, A reminder of what it is that Jesus has done in choosing us. Through Jesus, we know that God loves us, cherishes us, and loves us. Through Jesus, we believe and trust that God is faithful and true. So today, we come to this table um, not because we must, but because we may. We come to this table not because we are worthy, but because we are hungry. Not because we are ready, but because we are thirsty. We come, invites us, saying, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. So we come, and as we prepare to come,